Praise God. I'm just, I'm just praying that uh, in 2019 we just regroup and charge into this year with a, with a new anticipation and a new hope and, and uh, see God move. Praise God. Next year, next week, next year, next week, Lord willing, we're going to, we're going to start into a kingdom series and we're going to be looking at the kingdom of God. How do you, how do you enter into the kingdom of God? Because everything Jesus promoted was not, was, was not a, the church or anything like that. That's part of it. But everything Jesus did was about the kingdom. And the Bible, the Bible is very specific on this is a kingdom. Praise God. And it, it, it's interesting and, and uh, awesome to, to study that. The word kingdom that's used in the New Testament, where Jesus is talking about it, where the apostles are talking about it, the root word for that is foundation of power. The word kingdom means a foundation of power. God has translated us out of the kingdom or the dominion of darkness and has conveyed us into and onto a foundation of power. Praise God. Oh, thank God. I'm going to enjoy jumping into that. Just seeing not only that, we're just going to believe that God's going to begin to invade the darkness with the kingdom of God, that he's going to empower us, going to empower the church, and we're going to see a a huge uh, move forward uh, in this coming year. Praise God. Remember what I said last week? Holy Spirit told me that next year is going to be full of setbacks and leaps forward. Setbacks and leaps forward. In other words, there are going to be things come against us that's going to seem like a setback, but if we stay focused on God and trust Him, it's going to end up being a leap forward, even past where we were before the setback. Praise God. So we're going to have to just have our focus on God and uh, just be filled with His presence and power. Praise God. How many is ready for the Word of God? Amen. Brother Rob's going to come and bring the Word today. Amen. And uh, he's going to be, I believe, going to be talking about the seeds again today. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I like uh, just discussing the Word of God and, and talking about the Word and, and, and listening to Pastor talk. And then when you, you, when you begin to have conversations with people and the, and the Word of God becomes a part of that conversation, and then and next thing you know is as you're having that conversation, then the Lord's opening things up to you, and, uh, and it just becomes more and more alive. And uh, uh, whatever it is he might be saying, whether it's the written Word of God or whether it's a word that he's given you for that moment and that time of, uh, to encourage or to stabilize or to establish you in some way, whatever it is, that that word becomes more and more alive. So when he says setbacks and leap forwards, uh, I'll be honest, the first thought coming to my mind was triple jump. Uh, now, I don't know if you guys, any of you guys are familiar with track, but there's two types of long jumping going on, and there's the long jump, which they were doing good in high school, probably to get 22, 23 feet, and the Olympics, maybe 29 feet, somewhere in that range, which is impressive. But when you get to the triple jump, you, you, you may not get very far on that first one, but you take another step. So whenever, whenever you get that set back and that first leap forward, don't stop on that first step. Take another one. And you might gain just a little bit more ground in that leaping forward because there's a certain amount of momentum in going forward. Amen? Certain amount of momentum that can carry us on beyond what we can even think 
or imagine. So uh, I'm, I'm hungry for more of him and less of me. And as we, as we look into the Word of God, as we, as we talk about it or, or mull it over or, or meditate upon it, however many different ways you want to consider the Word, uh, you know, more and more things get, God, bring, God brings more clarity to them. And even, even the simple things that we sometimes just wash over and we just, we just put aside so quickly and, 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 and we don't give it time to consider. Sometimes when we just stop long enough to really meditate on those and roll them over and say, God, what are you really saying? God begins to open up more and more and more of what that word means and what he's wanting to do. And it's, it's bigger than what we think. A lot of times we, we try to bring God down into our own little world and God's trying to bring us back up into his universe. You know, I mean, we want God come down and solve this little situation or deal with this, this incident or what's going on or God, what kind of clothes should I buy at the department store today? Or Lord, should I buy milk, a whole fat milk or, or 2% milk? Or, you know, we're trying to bring God down into this little world too often. And God's got a much bigger plan for you and for everybody that you are going to come in contact with. And, and it's important for us to see that because otherwise we don't see the magnitude and the bigness of who God is. And it's important for us to grab hold of that because it's bigger than us. Even in the Lord's prayer, if you'll take the way Jesus taught us to pray and you'll allow him to just take a piece at a time and open it up and open it up and open it up more and more and more to you, it just begins to grow into a, an established way of life and of thinking if we allow God to reveal what he's really teaching us and really wanting us to, to learn. And we'll talk about that more here in a little bit. But when I think of the Lord's Prayer, you know, we, we come to the Father, and I'm just going to talk about this a little bit because Pastor started it. Um, we're talking about uh, getting into the kingdom of God. And just the beginning of the Lord's Prayer, first of all, there is a positioning of who we are, and that is that we come to, to God as Father, right? So we're positioning Him as, uh, who's your daddy, Okay. We're positioning him as almighty God, as the one who, who knows how to solve and resolve and move things forward the way that they need to be moved forward. And we're positioning ourselves in the place as sons and daughters in his kingdom, not as those that live outside the house that have no right to be in the house, but as those that have full right, full access, full entrance, full revelation and understanding to be in his presence, to be a part of what he's wanting to do because it's not as small as our little world. It's as big as his universe, okay? So he wants to, us to position ourselves in that way and that we walk in his holy name, a name that cannot be defeated, that at every at that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord, that it's the name that everything submits to the name of Jesus so that we come in his holy name. So there's absolutely nothing that's impossible for him and there's nothing impossible to those that believe. So we walk into that position. Now we're not, we're not shrunk down to our small little world, but now we're grown, into, grown more and more into his universe until we begin to see, Lord, it's not, it's not my kingdom that needs to be built. It's your kingdom that, that's wanting to be built. And God, while I may have an agenda for today and the things that I got to do, Lord, I want to get this fixed. I want to take care of that. I need to go to work. I got to talk to this person. I got to go visit this person. All these things, all our agenda... 
And yet God's got such a bigger agenda than that. And it may be something of, of monumental things that happen throughout the day down to one little visitation to the woman at the well. It could be speaking and feeding thousands or it could be one little spot where you call somebody or touch somebody and minister to somebody. It's God's kingdom. It's not our agenda. It's not our, our purpose, you know, purposes in life, but it's his purpose. And his purpose is bigger than anything that we can imagine. Now, in doing that, it takes a certain amount of surrender because, well, we all like life, right? We got an idea of what life ought to consist of and what it should be. And, and we get certain tastes and certain comfort zones and certain uh, things that we enjoy. And because of those things, that's, we kind of go, God, here's how, you know, God, we want your kingdom to come and your will to be done, but here's how it really ought to be done, God. Don't we do that sometimes? We spell out, God, do this, God, do that, and, God, and God's going, oh, <laughs> you're thinking a little small here, you know. You're thinking small. And uh, so we have to be willing to sacrifice our ideas and, and pray in such a way to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. Whatever you're wanting to do, however you're wanting to say, whatever you want to do, and get to that place where we surrender ourselves to the Lord in a way that we say, God, whatever you have to do through me, use me to build your kingdom. Use me to build your kingdom. All right? All right. So in talking about having conversations with one another about the Word of God, there's, this kind of all started a few weeks ago. Hannah was in my office and Hannah, I don't even remember what we were talking about, actually. But I just remember, you know, a thought coming to my mind and thinking, and my thought was, whoo, that'll preach. I've repented of that since then because it's not about whether to preach. It's about, it's about whether it's true. We sometimes try to build ourselves to look a certain way. And, and I think we would do ourselves a favor at times to realize that, that uh, the more we look at ourselves, the more we get it wrong and the more we miss the point. You know, there's sometimes that, that we have made the gospel, and I understand it, I do. I understand we want to tell people we believe in you and, you know, you're a good person, and, and we all need that. We all need that encouragement. But, you know, there, there's, there's some sort of resolution when we sit back and say, you say what God says. And that is, you know, there's none good. No, not one. There's something about saying that, you know, I can, I can be a failure and come to a place where I don't have to be good. I don't have to feel good about myself because, because I'm not myself. I don't belong to myself. I've been redeemed. I belong to someone who placed a much higher value on my life than the certain things that culture tries to say I should look like or should act like. And so I belong to him. And, and to be able to sit back and say, say, God, we're not good. There's none good. No, not one. Everyone's in need of a Savior. Everyone's in need of redemption and the blood of Jesus Christ. Every one of us need that. We, we have to be able to walk that point first. 
to say that we need him, to get to the point where he, now he can say, okay, this is what you were, but now this is who you are. And he can begin to tell you who you are in him, not who you were without him, but who you are in him. And then he begins to speak because when he speaks, back to the seed here, when he speaks, that's the kingdom. His kingdom comes in seed form. You can turn to Mark chapter four if you want to. His kingdom comes in seed form. So when he speaks, he is trying to build something in our lives. And, and we can take this in a generalization. When we're talking about the parable of the sower, we can take it in a generalization as far as salvation and those that aren't saved or those that are uh, you know, you know, lost or, or saved or those that are in church and not really producing fruit, various things. But, or we can take it in, in the fact that there's aspects of God's kingdom that God is continually trying to develop in our lives that sometimes we miss because of things that we can learn in this parable. That sometimes we miss. How many of you guys are in the place in God's kingdom that you know you have arrived? You've made it. You're there. You've got all his power. You got all his glory. You got that. You got that intimacy. You got that. You got that Enoch walk where you just walk with God. Oh, you know. I mean, you just glow and and you know your shadow heals the sick and you know snakes bite you and you just go you throw them in the fire and just keep right on going. I mean, how many of you guys have arrived at that place? We, we struggle even just to meet the, the, the testimonies and things that we've heard because there's, there's a, a principle in God's word of hearing the seed and learning how to not let that seed be stolen or robbed from you through various ways. Because the enemy is constantly trying to defeat God's kingdom. And the way he defeats God's kingdom is by keeping it from developing inside of you and me. That's his goal. He can't defeat the kingdom itself because any one person full of the kingdom of God, kingdom of God, the Bible says in the, in the last chapter of Mark says that they shall cast out devils. These signs shall follow them that believe. So the devil cannot defeat any, any one person that is full of the kingdom of God. Can't. It's not possible. But he, his, so his only hope is to keep the kingdom from developing inside of you. And he knows that the kingdom comes in seed form. Therefore, that seed being God's word and that word needing to be, to, 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 uh, be received and grow in our hearts, he works to, to, dis, to corrupt or to disrupt that word from ever taking root in our life. Okay? So that's his goal. That's his plan for each of our lives. And, he, and, and if we've not reached that place where we can say we arrived, which we won't, because once we get there, hopefully, we'll have enough of character of Jesus Christ to be a little bit humble, you know, you know, cast off the Mary Poppins syndrome, you know, practically perfect in every way. That we're always pursuing, as Paul said, that I, that I lay aside the things that he's already accomplished, that he's already, already done. He lays aside as though it's nothing. It's nothing. Why? So that he could, be, he could apprehend that for which he has been apprehended by Christ. The last time we spoke, we talked about the first part of Mark, Mark chapter 4. Let, let's just read a little bit of this passage here. I want to kind of show you a picture that's right here and what's going on. In, the, in verse 1 of chapter 4, it said, He began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd, say large crowd, large crowd. 
gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down, and the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables and saying to them in his teachings. One of the neat things to do, and I really recommend because I get as much out of it, is, is to spend time with your kids or somebody just reading the Word of God. Just read it and, and, and go slow. You know, hey, that Bible in a year thing, that's great, but don't push past the, the uh, thinking about putting yourself in, 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 into this scripture and, and seeing what, thinking about what it would be like in that day. Can you imagine having so many people that, uh, that are pushing against you that you, you have to get into a boat that's anchored there on the shore? And then all these people just kind of gather around and you begin to speak to them. And I wonder, I mean, would your voice even carry? I mean, I think about, you know, what does that work? Was there good acoustics in the area? Was there, was there a hillside? What, what was going on that, that made that possible? I don't know, but, but putting yourself in those positions where these people that were wanting to hear what Jesus had to say and wanting to receive from him. And Jesus begins to teach them says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the good soil, and they grew up and increased. They yielded a crop. They yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he was saying, he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when he finishes this parable, you know, we, this, is, this is what we've got. I don't know if he had many more explanations of what was going on, but all we know is at the end of this parable, he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. That's almost a, an invitation to say, come find out more. There's a little bit more. Right. You know, when you open that present and, and you know, I don't know if you've ever seen those presents where there's a present within a present within a present, you know, you can go multi-layer with God right. because there's a present within a present within a present. Right. But in order to go there, he says, if you have ears to hear, let him hear. There has to be a special relationship between us and what God says. So much so it has to be special that he says, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That relationship with his word needs to become something where we go, oh God, that's good. What else is in there? Because I know there's more inside what you've just said, and I want to unpack it. But here's the reality of the parable of the sower is that the one thing that's constant in it is the sower and the, and the seed. It's constant. It's the same one doing the sowing and it's the same seed on every type of soil. It's the constant. The difference is the heart that is receiving the seed. So, so when, we, when we talk about the heart receiving the seed, we do that by hearing the word, okay? 
Because the kingdom of God comes in seed form, comes in the word of God. And when we hear it, that is seed that is trying to be planted inside of our heart. And we talked about this a little bit last time that, that the, the enemy is trying to discount that seed and get you to disbelieve that seed. And whatever it might be that God is saying to you and whatever it might be that God's calling you to, and he's trying to get you to brush that off aside. And by doing that in unbelief, he's, he's, he is successful at stealing the seed. So we have to learn how to protect that seed. We have to learn to recognize the seed, pull it in and protect it. And we protect it by believing it. By believing it. But I don't understand. I don't understand either. When Jesus in John chapter 17, uh, you know, we, we, we like a a gospel that draws people to himself. And Jesus was always drawing the multitudes and drawing the crowds, and they were all coming, but they weren't all coming for the right reason. But they were all coming, and yet they would get up close to him, and then he would say something to drive them all away. You know, he'd just go off this thing, and he said, in John 17, I think it was, where he said, he said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you'll have no part of me. There's a lot of folks out there that that registered tilt. They didn't get that. They didn't understand that. They didn't know how to comprehend that. And yet there was a seed there that was trying to be sown in their lives. And yet they were missing it because it didn't make sense. And so it says that they left him. And now he's down to just as 12. And he looks over and he says, are you going to leave me too? You know, and Peter, there's one part going, man, this guy's lost it. You know, we're eating his flesh, drink his blood. What in the world's he talking about? But then he had a deeper conviction inside of him that said, where else can we go? Where else can we go? He said, Jesus, we have a special relationship with your word. He said, we have a special connection with your word. Something about the words that come out of your mouth do something that produce eternal life. Where else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. Where else? We don't have to understand all of it. We just have to know where that word comes from, where that seed originated from. When it comes out of the mouth of God, you can take it to the bank. It has the power and the provision to make itself. To do what it's called, what it's going to do, it has the power and the provision to make itself. All we have to do is be willing to believe and receive it. Now, look what happened here in this parable. The same seed, the same sower, the same one sowing on the, on the four types of soil, and here right in front of his eyes, he gets a, he gets a, a real-life picture of what tra- has just transpired. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let him draw close. There's more. And as soon as he was alone, everybody say alone. alone. Hey, you know what? Meeting's over. Let's go home. Yeah. Go ahead. Meeting adjourned. Or is there more? Is there more? You know, I've been the person that. Oh, let's see, I've got my kingdom to be, I mean, I've got to go and eat lunch, and um, I've got to take a nap, and I've got these things I want to do, Lord. I've got an agenda. Yeah. Right. But there's more. Yeah. It says, as soon as he was alone, his followers along with the 12 were there with him. 
there was a smaller group that clung to the shoreline, that stayed there to hear what else was in the package, to find out what else he could unwrap in the Word of God. We have got to come to a place where we live by his Word, and we have his Word. You go, I can't hear his Word. You can hear his Word. He said, my sheep will hear my voice, and another they will not follow. And so as we, as we hear his word, as we read his word, as we sing his word, as we meditate upon his word, as we, as we get still before him and we, we think about what he's saying to us, we want to cre- create a, a, a dedication and a, a loyalty to that word to the point that no matter if I understand it or not, it's what he said, and that's what we're going with. You know, if I come to you and say something, and God says something different, let's go with what God says, okay? Because he's right, okay? So when I tell you to do that, I can tell you that in myself. If I, there's things that I want to do that is not what God's saying to do, let's go with God because he's right. It's his kingdom. All right, now look. It says, his followers along with the 12 began asking him about the parables. What were they saying? Give me more, Jesus. I want to understand your word more. And he was saying to them, to you, to who? The followers and the 12. The ones who pressed in. The ones who had ears to hear. The ones who wanted to know God more through his word. The ones who wanted to discover more about what God is is saying and what he has to say and what he wants to do. Those were the ones that pressed in. He said, to you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are outside, they get everything in parables. For what purpose? Because they're never going to want to press in to see it. They're never going to want to understand it. It's just going to be stories to them. It's just going to be history or, or something that works for somebody else or something that, that lives in somebody else. And like we're watching it on a TV screen and it's not reality. And yet God wants it to be reality every day in our lives. He does. He says, but to them, so that seeing they may see and not perceive and hearing they may hear and not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. So when we press into God, we press in with ears to hear. And God is going to reveal and give more of his kingdom to us. That's what he's saying there. So we talked about the the seed that fell along the wayside and the enemy destroyed. Now we're coming to the seed on thorny ground. I just want, I want you to see in verse 16, as he's explaining the, the parable to it, it says, he's just got through telling about the seed along the wayside. Now he's, he's telling about the, thorny, the seed sown on, on, not thorny ground, on stony ground. Uh, it says, in a similar way, these are the ones whom seed was sown on the rocky places, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no firm root in themselves, but are only temporary, then when affliction and persecution arises because of the word, immediately they fall away. Okay? The first word I want you to notice in, in 16 is, is in a similar way. Understand in a similar way, this is a way that the enemy allows you to disregard or distort the word of God, to distort what God is saying. He, he, it's, it's his plan. It's his tactics. That's what, he, that's what he's trying to do in a similar way that he would discredit what God is saying. In a similar way, he's building 
a, a way for you to save face in, in, a, in a situation and accept the word of God and to save your pride and to save your arrogance and to save your own identity and all that stuff, to save it all, but yet not, not be transferred or transformed into the kingdom of God. In a similar way, twin to the unbelief that the enemy uses, he tries to use this to manipulate and to destroy the word of God. Now look, in, in 16 it says, when they hear the word, what's hear the word mean? Anytime we hear the word, that is seed being sown, correct? Seed sown. And, and what comes in seed form? The kingdom, right? Not, not a trick question. The kingdom comes in seed form, okay? And so when they hear the word, they immediately receive it with joy. This is the part, see, in, in this ground, and this is what when Hannah and I were talking the, the other day, and it was like, wow, is that, that the seed sown in thorny ground or stony ground, we'll stay out of the thorns today, uh, the seeds sown in stony ground, it's <laughs> a lot of S's. Is, um, is a seed that's saying you can grow here conditionally. You can grow here, but with conditions. In other words, you're not free to grow as you would. Don't put your roots down too deep. Don't let them go too far. And don't break through my hard veneer. Because beneath my hard veneer, you might find me. But you can grow under conditions. And so we put conditions to the way the word can grow. And sometimes God comes and says something to you or me, and it's a word, and he says, do this, and you go, but, but, what if, uh, what if we do that tomorrow? <laughs> what if we do that, you know, what if... You know, if I see this person walk right up to me and ask me the question directly, what has God spoken to you about me? Then I'll share that word with them, Lord. <laughs> we put conditions on how the word of God is going to grow and develop. And that, that may have been good in the Old Testament, but today God is looking for people just to believe. He's looking for people just that will believe and respond to his word wholeheartedly. And, and here's some of the conditions that I see in, in these verses here. First of all, it says they received it, they immediately received it with joy. Immediately received it with joy. It was instant gratification. We are a world, a culture that, that has to have instant gratification, right? We do. We pick up the TV remote and we turn it on. That, that channel has five seconds to impress me or I'm going on something else. And then we get to the end and say, man, there's nothing on TV. It's got five seconds to impress me or else I'm moving on to something else. What if when, what if when we came into church and we are blessed with some amazing worship and I wouldn't have it any other way? But you know, there's churches that don't worship like we do. There's churches that don't have instruments, and yet they worship. There's churches that can't even vocalize their worship for fear of persecution, and yet they worship. 
what condition do we have to have to follow God wholeheartedly in his word? Well, I'm not going to that church. They treated me bad. That's all right. They treat me bad too. So <laughs> nobody talks to me. Nobody shakes my hand. You know, I notice that nobody shakes my hands when it's like this, you know? <laughs> as soon as I stick my hand out, wow, people start shaking my hand. And I found out that people talk to me when I ask them questions. What are you doing? What are you doing that for? How come? Where'd you go? How come you weren't here last Sunday? <laughs> what have you been up to? Now, we put conditions on things as to what God tells us to do. How many of you know that God, God, what God says in his word, he is not saying it for his benefit. He's not saying it so that he gets something out of it. He is saying it for our benefit. He's God. What are we going to add to him? What are we going to do here today that would do anything to add to him? Only thing that we would do today in following God's word wholeheartedly would only add to our ability to walk fully in him. Would only add to our ability to relate fully to him. It would only add to our ability to understand more of him if we'd walk fully in his word. It doesn't add a thing to him. He doesn't have anything to gain. And I mean, logic would just dictate. So if, that, if he doesn't have anything to gain when he tells us to do something, then why does he tell us to do it? Let's follow this through a little bit. Hmm. Now see, when the devil tells you to do something, he thinks he has something to gain. Jesus, if you'll bow down and worship to me, I'll give you all these kingdoms I'll just show you, you know. Just bow down and worship me and, and you know, and all these, these things that he offered Jesus to, to if he would just compromise because the devil wants to steal God's worship. God wants your worship because he knows it puts you above the devil. It takes you from being beneath his feet and puts you above him so that you can stomp his, his head with your foot as he prophesied way back in the beginning. Okay, so, so he has nothing to gain. So the only reason he would tell us to do anything is for our benefit and for our good or for the advancement of his kingdom. Now, there's benefit and good that's right now and there's benefit and good that's eternal, Right? I found it interesting in reading the passage about the rich ruler who came to Jesus and was really trying to portray himself as someone who was following the word wholeheartedly, and God knows how to put his finger on things. And of course, Jesus said, uh, you know, one thing you lack, go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. And he said, and you'll have treasure in heaven. See, the words and the things that we value or treasure will either be right here, right now, or will be eternal. Immediate gratification is what the world lives by. It's not what the church is to live by. Immediate satisfaction. We, we, our hope is beyond the veil. Our hope is in another world. Our hope, we have hope in this life because of the promises of what God's kingdom can do in our lives and to bring hope and to bring deliverance and bring salvation, and bring redemption, and bring healing, bring fulfillment, bring power and glory in his might. We have hope in that. 
But our hope goes beyond that. What if we're simply John the Baptist saying, repent and be baptized, living out on the backside of the, of the wilderness, eating locusts, dressed in camel's hair. I'd rather eat the camel. Well, I wouldn't want to wear the locusts, but you know, what if we're just that? What if that's our life? And yet we're sitting there going, we must decrease so that he can increase. We must yield ourselves. What if? What if? Who doesn't want the pie in the sky and everything else? Who doesn't want to walk through this life unscathed and unharmed and unbattered by life? Who doesn't? Everybody does. But that's not the way this works. Because he said that we would receive eternal life with persecutions, with difficulties, with hardships. So, so the conditions are this immediate gratification that we receive this word with immediate joy. As long as you keep me happy, I'm going to serve God. But if you, the minute you stop keeping me happy and things start, stop feeling good, yeah. I'm gone. Right. Immediate gratification, conditions. The other one is this superficial relationship to the word. It says that they have no firm root in themselves, or, or in Luke chapter 8, and this, talking about this passage, it says that they had no moisture. They had no moisture. They had no firm root in themselves. They were willing to, to play it all right up here, but don't let it sink down in deep, because you get down in here, this is mine, God. You can't have this. Yeah. You know, we take passages of the Scripture sometimes, and, and, and we look at them, and we go, uh, No. We do. We do. I'll give you one. It's popular in, in one denomination at least, but not so much popular in current denomination. That is, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Whose idea? God's idea? Do we go tilt? Tilt? Lord, you have the words of eternal life. I'm not saying being foolish about it. You need to know who you're talking to. <laughs> Pastor may not remember saying this. He said this years and years ago, but, you know, those words that just stick. And he, he said, go out and con confess your, your sins to a rabbit and then shoot that rabbit because if God can make a donkey talk, he can make that rabbit talk too. <laughs> you remember saying that? <laughs> That's from the book of Third Timothy. But there's healing in that verse. Do we want God's kingdom or do we not? We want an awakening. We want a revival. Have we put conditions on it? To where we say, we, hey, pastor, we'll have revival, but I can only be here on such times I'm not available to go out and, and minister to the poor or, um, uh, you, you know, I've got plans for my money um, and, and I'll give you the money that I have no plans for. It's not too hard to find out once we dig around a little bit where we've put conditions on God's word. Not too hard to find. But I can't even confess my faults to my brothers and sisters and pray. What's that say 
about my confidence in God? What's that say about my confidence in my brothers and sisters and the body of Christ of which I believe in? The church is God's idea. It's not a dirty word in culture. It's God's idea. Superficial relationship with the word, no firm root in themselves. In contrast, in Ephesians tells us to be rooted and grounded in love. The other part of that would be that, there, that the superficial relationship with the word is that there's really no genuine interest in the word at all. Not genuinely. You know, not, not an interest that says, I want to explore it. Psalms 119 is the longest uh, chapter in the Bible. How many verses does it have? 173, something like that. Every single verse references God's, God's word, God's laws, God's statutes, God's precepts. Every single verse in that chapter references something about, about God's word. And turn with me to uh, Psalms 119. We'll go there. We're going to go to Beth. I don't, I don't know who Beth is, but in my Bible it says Beth right there. So, yeah, we're going to go to Beth. First one's Aleph. Second one's Beth. I think that's how you pronounce Aleph. I can pronounce Beth. Verse 9. Sorry. Trying to be funny. The key word there is trying. It says in verse 9, How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. Your word I have treasured in my heart. Here, here's the special relationship that we want to cultivate with the word of God. Your word have I treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of your mouth. Talk about the word. Speak the word. Recite the word. Speak the word. Write it down. Write it on your mirrors. Write it over your doors, wherever. Put it on your cars, wherever you go. You say, well, I'm, I, 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 don't, I don't want people to think I'm religious. They already do. So just go right on by that and say, you know what? I have a special relationship with the word. You may not understand it, but I have ears to hear and I want to hear what God's saying. So I'm more concerned about what the word is saying to me than what you think about me, okay? So get it in front of you. Treasure it. Recite it. Let it, let it be always on your lips. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have told of all the ordinance of your mouth, I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. Talk about the testimonies of the word of God. Own them. Get in the word and read the, the miracles and the wonders and signs and own them as if they're yours. My God is able to do all things abundantly and above all that we could ask or think. God is able to, to, to raise the dead, able to heal the sick, able to feed 5,000. He's able to do great and mighty and wonderful things all the time, but own these miracles. He caused a withered man's hand to stretch forth. He took a man dead four days, Lazarus dead four days, I like Mark Lowry's version of that. Could you imagine that? Being dead four days. I mean, he's already up. Mark Lowry says he's already up, you know, eating fried chicken with Moses and, 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 and enjoying heaven. Four days. And all of a sudden, Lazarus, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, you have no choice. But, but, you know, and if you think about it, Lazarus had to die twice. But anyways, he can do anything, and it's, it, it's, all of it's possible. But I like this verse, verse 14, I, I have rejoiced in the, in the 
way of your testimonies as much as in all riches. Wow. Think about that. Man, somebody, you know, there's a guy out there. I read this news article. There's somebody out there that has a $1.5 billion lottery ticket. He's running out of time to claim it. There's bigger riches to be claimed. Don't you know if you bought that lottery ticket and you couldn't find it, how desperate you would be to find it? Don't you know how, how, how you would leave no stone unturned to find that lottery ticket? And you'd probably be mad at anything or anybody that got in your way because there's a greater treasure. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes, and I shall not forget your word. I shall not forget your word. Interesting thing about that root word for forget in Psalms is it actually means forget, ignore, or wither. Now connect that to the stony ground. Remember that in the stony ground, it said that, that uh, the sun came out and it withered, okay? So as, as it withers, what we're talking about is the ability of our own heart to forget or ignore the word of God. We can ignore it. You know, walked up, and, and trust me, I've been there. I'm not saying that, 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 you know, I've just walked this every day going, God, give me more of your word. God, show me more. God, doing that. You know, you have to make yourself do that. Right. You have to force yourself to do that. I walk upstairs uh, yeah, a day, day or two ago, and uh, Tam's got a YouTube video on this lady preaching, and, and uh, uh, you know, I come in and sit down, and she goes, you want me you want me turn turn this off? You know? And I'd like to say that never, ever, ever, ever. But there was probably a time when I would have said yes. But I said, absolutely not. I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear what God's saying. I, I want to make myself be subject to the word of God. I want to force myself to ingest and to devour the word of God, even if I don't want it. I want to make myself want it. Why? Because I'm not going to be stony ground. I'm not going to ignore the word of God. I want to be a ground where the, where the, the seed grows, takes root, and becomes established. So superficial relationship with God's word, lack of commitment uh, to the word. It says that they, that they were only temporary. Lack of commitment to the word. They never eliminated the escape routes. They never eliminated the, the, the option to abandon ship. The, the disciples, Peter, when he, he made the best statement when he said, where else can we go? Because you have the words of eternal life. He said, Jesus, there is no escape route for me. Now, we know he messed up in the end, but let's give him credit right here. Jesus, there is no escape route for me. I will not abandon this. I will not quit. They never, they never eliminate this, the escape routes. I'll serve God as long as these conditions are met. I'll serve God until, you know, until I, and so many people come to God in their hardships, and, I, and I'm, I'm thankful that they can turn to God in their hardships, and I'm thankful that God is gracious and that he'll, he'll minister to them in their hardships. But, but so many times, it's that, it's that superficial commitment that when they turn to God in their hardships, as soon as that hardship is over, they're gone. Because there's no, no real commitment to the word. This word is forever. How do I know that? He said, heaven and earth will pass away, 
but not one jot, not one tittle, not one stroke of my word will pass away. This word's eternal. We need to have a commitment to this word because in a commitment to this word, we are peering in saying, Lord, I have ears to hear, let me hear. And we want to see what else is in the prize. And when you get deeper into the prize, you discover more. And hopefully in discovering more, you find him. And you find his character, his nature, his will, and his purposes. You find more about him. And, and, and that way, when things get tough, because the passage tells us in Mark chapter 4, says that when affliction and persecution come, immediately they fall away. It doesn't say if they come. It says when they come. Because you can take it to the bank, ladies and gentlemen, that in this life, you will be put through a ringer. You will. Some point in time. If it's not externally, it will be internally, but somewhere or another, you will be put through your own wilderness of temptation like Jesus walked through, and you're going to have to find what is the words, where is the wisdom, where is the unction that's going to get me outside this, this wilderness with my, my spirit intact, with my relationship with God intact, with my position in God intact, so that when I come out on the other side, I don't come out defeated or a victim, but I come out victorious and I come out a champion in Christ. That's what we've got to figure out. God, what are we going to cling to? What word are we going to value in the hard and in the disappointing and the crushing times? What word are you going to stand on? Or is that word just going to be a word that it worked for a while, but now, you know, I mean, we've been praying for this for how long and it still hasn't happened? At what point do you abandon the word? At what point do you escape it? If you go in the book of Revelations where it's talking about the, uh, the tribulation period and the Bible says that there's an altar underneath the throne of God that is filled with the prayers of his saints. You want to know where your, your prayers go? You want to know where... Where, where every cry of your heart goes, it's filling up. It's filling up. And, 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 it's, and God is, as we know in the book of Revelations, there's a time for him dipping out of that, but I believe there's times that God dips out of those prayers where he says, enough, it's, it, we've, we've hit the limit, here it is, boom. And he sends down the answer, and the answer comes. But it's definitely going to be something powerful in that day. Uh, for sure, but, but those prayers, every prayer you pray to God in faith does not get forgotten in any way, place, or form. i got to wrap this up. No abandoned ship. Affliction's coming. Persecution's coming. No abandoned ship. We've got to have some, some, some commitment that has removed the escape routes, that has treasured the Word of God, that is not ignoring the Word of God, and so that the roots grow deep. When, when some of you guys are gardeners more than I am, the, one of the first things that a seed has to have is it has to be saturated in water. And as it's saturated in water, what begins to happen is the roots begin to grow down. And they begin to grow down before they grow up. And, and a lot of plants have what they call taproot. I think you've probably heard people talk about that in the past, about, about a taproot that goes down seeking after water. But that root is necessary to, to find the water that's deeper than the moment. Right. Understand? That's deeper than the moment. 
afflictions, persecutions come, hardship comes, and you got to have a root that's growing down that's not stopped because of rocky ground or because of, of shallow commitment or superficial commitment uh, relationship with the Word, but something that's willing to get into God's Word and say, God, I value your Word more than anything else. Just going back and kind of referencing a few areas where Jesus was referring to a hard heart because rocky soil is reflective of a hard or hardened heart. And we see a, a few times here in Scripture where Jesus deals with the hard heart of his disciples. And it's interesting to me because if you go to Mark chapter 6, verse 52, he had, he had just got through feeding the 5,000, and he sent them, he sent his disciples on across the lake in a boat. He stayed there to, to dismiss the crowd, you know, as any good pastor does, hangs around till the last person's gone, right? <laughs> and he dismisses the, the crowd, he dismisses the disciples, they go across, and it says, uh, verse 45, immediately Jesus made his disciples get in the boat, go ahead of him to the other side, to Bethsaida. While he himself was sending the crowd away after bidding them farewell, he left for the mountain to pray. When it was evening, the boat was in the middle of the sea, and he was alone on the land, seeing them straining at the oars, for the wind was against them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea, and he intended to pass by them. That's interesting to me. He intended to go by them. I mean, they're sitting here struggling. They're having a difficult time. Why would he walk by them? Because he believes that anything that he, that, that he allows us to go through, he believes in the seed that is sown already in your heart to get you through that moment. He believes in that seed. We go back to God sometimes and go, God, more seed. He's going, Use the seed you got. Use it. He intended to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the sea, they supposed that it was a ghost, and they cried out, for they, they all saw him and were terrified, but immediately he spoke with them and said to them, Take courage, it is I, do not be afraid. Well, that's comforting. Then he got into the boat with them, and the wind stopped, and they were utterly astonished, and they were astonished that this happened, says, for they had not gained any insight from the incident of the loaves. Look what it says next. But their heart was hardened. They had no insight, and they had no hunger for insight. They had no interest in going, this has got to mean more. This is, there's got to be more into this. There's, there's more to how this works. God, this is just one thing that he did in the earth. What does this mean that the kingdom can do all around us? It can't just be a, one application and throw it away. It's not disposable. It's got multiple facets, multiple applications. Jump over to chapter 8. We're going to quit. Verse 13. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away the other side. Now, this is after he fed, fed the 4,000. He fed 5,000. They were struggling in the, in, on the, in the boat. They didn't get it then, so he does a repeat. Hey, guess what? We're going to feed 4,000. And, you know, maybe you'll get it this time. And I'm going to skip through some of this. But, but now he's in the boat with them, and he makes the declaration, Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And there's probably more to unpack in that, but if you have ears to hear, go find it. And I'm not kidding, I'm being serious. It's funny though. But then they began to 
discuss among themselves that he's telling us this because, because we didn't bring the bread. We didn't bring enough food to eat. We got one loaf. And then this is what he says to him. Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? He said, do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? This trips me up, I'm telling you. Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Now look, here's the things, here's the characteristics of a hardened heart. Lack of perception, having eyes and not seeing. Lack of recognizing with your own eyes the hand of God that's moving right in front of you because they saw it with their own eyes, right? Lack of, of hearing and really hearing what God is saying and lack of understanding and then for, forgetting or not remembering, not bringing it to the front of the things and the mighty things that God just did. Because we can say right here, right now, all things are possible for God. Nothing is impossible for him. And we can say all things are possible for them to believe, but when we walk out that door, where's that verse go? Is it still with us? Well, look here. This is what blows my mind. He's saying, he's saying, is your heart hardened? He said, do you, do you still not get it? So let me explain it to you. And this is going to make it crystal clear for you, I'm sure. When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? They said to him, 12. When I broke the seven for the 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. I said, don't you understand? I'll be honest with you, I don't understand but I'm supposed to. And there's something to unpack there. And I can go back and look in the fact that, the, that Jesus, when he, was deal, when he was feeding those thousands, the first thing he had is it was going to drive me right back to the character and nature of who God is himself. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he brought the kingdom of God. He said, go and preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's within reach. And so it was all right there, all right there in him and in his person and in his character. And Jesus said, said that, that when he was feeding the 5,000, said that he had compassion upon them as sheep having no shepherd. To get the word of God and, the, and to look into the word of God and to understand all of what God's been revealed, we have to see it through the filter of Jesus himself. Because it's in his character. It's in his nature. I don't understand how seed goes in the ground. Water pours on it, and it begins to produce a plant. But somehow in God's character, in the fullness of the love of God, Ephesians chapter 3, you can read it later, but it says being rooted and grounded in love to grow up into the fullness of Christ. And it says in that passage, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, so that the glory of God can be revealed through the church and through Jesus Christ. The glory of God is not only supposed to be in the words that, that are written, it's to be in the words that are written that we take as seed that grows into the kingdom of God, producing the fullness of Christ in each of us so that the glory of God can be revealed through the church and through Christ. And it's rooted and it's grounded in love. Jesus had compassion for the 5,000. He has compassion for humanity. He has compassion for the lost. 
He has compassion for the poor. He has compassion for the sick. He has compassion for the oppressed. He has compassion for for the demon-possessed. He has compassion for humanity, people. And he hungers and he thirsts to get it outside through his body, through his church, into a lost and dying world. He hungers to move it through us, through our lips, through our words, through our good works into humanity so that they can see and believe and they can hear and understand and be forgiven and be changed. Why? Because that seeds inside of us. Jesus also rebuked him whenever he rose from the dead and you know Mary... He appeared to Mary Magdalene. And they went back and told the disciples and and said, listen, we went to anoint his body, but he's gone. And they went and they looked with their own eyes and saw that the grave was empty. But the Bible says that that they didn't believe the testimony of the women. You can read that in Mark chapter 16. Because it says that he reproached them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who had seen him after he had risen. See, ladies and gentlemen, we have an opportunity every day to, to receive seed. We have an opportunity every day to believe in the seed that we receive. We have an opportunity every day to believe in a God that can do the impossible in impossible situations. We have an opportunity every day to cleave to a miracle-working God that can do anything. If he can take five loaves, feed 5,000, get 12 baskets full left over to, just to take care of his own, own group there, or wait a minute, maybe he's a mathematician. Let's see, let's try seven loaves for 4,000 and we took back it. Okay, math doesn't matter with God. What matters is that we believe in what we see, what we hear, what he has said, that we live by the word, we live by faith, not by sight that we take that and we allow that to be enveloped in the very character and nature of God himself, which is love. The greatest commandments of all is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second is like, and then that's to love your neighbor as yourself. And upon these two things hang all the law. Upon every word of God hangs from the person of Jesus Christ. And we can't be in that position where we grab a seed and we don't let it develop. We don't commit to that seed that whatever it takes us, whatever has to move out of the way, whatever has to go in order for that seed to produce fruit in our lives. We can't be in a position where we take that seed and begin to wield it in ways that's not intended by God. James and John, sons of thunder, one time, you know, they got a seed of the word of God. God called fire down from heaven and consumed people, you know, and they seen that seed and then they took that seed. They decided they were a little miffed. They were a little upset. You, you've never been there, I know. Like Dave, Dave Reaver said one time when he's praying for those army buddies of his that used to spit in the back of his head while he prayed at night at his bunk. He said, I'd pray, God, kill him. 
seed has to grow the way the seed wants to grow. And it wants to grow in the character and nature of Jesus Christ in no other way. No other way. It cannot be formed to you, ladies and gentlemen. You have to be formed to it. So the fullness of Christ. Stand with me, if you will. has ears to hear, let him hear. When the radio comes on and it's a preacher, make yourself listen. Maybe it's a preacher you don't necessarily care for, but he's preaching the word of God. I think Paul would have shown up for the people that were using the word against himself just to hear Jesus being preached and then once he, he'd hear a seed he'd take that seed and he'd go over and find somebody that needed one thing that that preacher said and he'd begin to water that seed until it began to grow roots become established that's the biggest thing we gotta let the word of God be established in our hearts established firm Convinced, persuaded, absolute. Let God be true and every man a liar. Father, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord God. Well, we like the fun times. We like the good times. We like the comforting words and the words that kind of rub our shoulders and make us feel a little bit better. But Father, we need the words that will break through. And Lord, we're willing to surrender those rocks and that rocky ground. We're willing to, to yield it up, Lord God, and allow you to cultivate it, Lord, and to, and to pour in. So Lord, that seed begins to produce in our lives. Father, help us not to dissect your word in ways that that, that uh, we accept this and we reject that. Lord, help us to take all of you, all of Christ, all of your words, the hard ones, the difficult ones, the challenging ones, the sacrificial ones, the ones that penetrate, the ones that compel, the ones that demand. Why? Because, Lord, you are love, and we trust you implicitly. We trust you with our lives. We trust you with our hearts. We trust you with our, our minds, our understanding, Lord God. We trust you, Lord God, to dig around and, and, and to, to set us free and empower us, Lord God, to pursue your kingdom with abandonment, to pursue your kingdom, Lord God, with, without regard to our own selves, without regard to, to what, is, what our life is going to be if we do. God, to be abandoned in your word, abandoned, Lord God, to your truth. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your great love, Lord God. Father, I pray today, Lord God, that everything that was spoken, Lord God, be heard through the passionate love that you have for your people today. And I pray that in that love, that love begins to fill us up with, with, with the goodness and, and, the, and the glory of God seed begins to be watered in that environment and that, and that seed begins to produce that life begins to come forth and that the enemy loses and Jesus wins we give you praise